of the Albany Law School podcast. I'm Ben Myers, Associate Director of Communications and Marketing here at Albany Law School. On this edition of the podcast, we're speaking with Katarina Kramarczyk from the class of 2013. She is out in Rochester and is working on just all kinds of different things out there. So a very interesting conversation coming at you this week on the show. If you want to hear more episodes like this and you want to get to get more familiar with the people here at Albany Law School, follow us on SoundCloud, or you can subscribe on any of the major podcast services. Then if you want to have the up-to-date, day-to-day news here at Albany Law School, social media is definitely the best way to do that. Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. All right, let's talk to Kevin. Back here on the Albany Law School podcast with Katerina Kamarczak, class of 2013. Katerina, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me. Now, we have a lot to talk about here today. There's so many things going on with all of our alums, but you have a couple of big things going on currently. But I want to start all the way back at the beginning first. Did you always want to be an attorney? (laughs) Um, That question is complicated. So when uh, I was in undergrad, I actually started as pre-med growing up. My grandmother had myasthenia gravis, um, and it was progressive uh, throughout her lifetime. And as she got older, it it really impacted her mobility in every kind of aspect of her life. And there were a lot of times when I would go over and care for my grandma at her house and, you know, pick her out of bed and bring her to her chair. And she was really appreciative of the of the time that we could spend together when I was caring for her. And it was sort of her that was really encouraging me to, to continue and to pursue medicine and and to to be a doctor. (laughs) But unfortunately for me, I'm really squeamish. It was a a really sad time in my life when my grandmother ultimately passed away. But I think that sort of gave me uh, closure on the idea that I had to be a doctor to to make my family proud. Um, I think in many other aspects of my life, I'm continuing to make her proud. But I Sorry, Grandma, I just could not go forward with it. <laughs> my, my so, no, mom, I didn't always want to be... nurses, so I, I feel your pain. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, they just have, like, such stories that my heart has always been, you know, so big. But I, I think I can give back in, in other ways, and it doesn't necessarily have to be that. So I'm so thankful for you know, getting to spend time with her in that way. And she thought that I, you know, had the compassion to move forward in that type of career. But obviously, I I think I'm finding my footing much better (laughs) in this career. Now, you also were English and history major at Stony Brook, right? Before you went on to do the joint JD MBA program with us here at Albany Law, of course, and our friends Mm -hmm. at Union College. And just so people listening to the show are, if you're interested in those combined degree programs, you can check out the show notes. We'll link to that in the show notes for this episode. But we have students from 
all kinds of backgrounds, different subject areas, political science, history. We've even had biology majors, foreign language mm-hmm. majors come to Albany Law. But English and history seem to work with law really, really well. How have they helped, helped you so far on the, or helped you on your journey while you were here at Albany Law School? Yeah, I mean, I think they're great majors to have if you plan to go into litigation like I am. Uh, They sort of prime you for being able to read a lot and to write a lot. Obviously, a lot of what you do as an English and a history major are reading, synthesizing, um, and then writing after you've gone and done all of that. Um, And I think that translates well to my current profession, although I do wish uh, I took some more science classes. And anyone who's really interested, I encourage anyone who's interested in science at all to take as many courses as are required to sit for the IP bar because, or the patent bar rather, because intellectual property um, law is exploding right now. And it has been for the past, you know, several years. There's great opportunity in that area. So, you know, I started out in, in biology and anyone, you know, on that path uh, would have a, would have a great future, especially taking classes um, in like mechanical engineering or uh, life science, where really there's a huge need for attorneys right now. So to the extent that you're still a student at Albany Law and you have not yet looked into any IP classes, definitely um, do that. It's, you know, a, a, a great area to practice in. So you, you have your, your majors picked, you're on the path, but then you chose the that joint degree program. You chose Albany Law School. Why yep. was that the right fit for you? So I knew that I wanted to work with, and I do work with businesses in litigation. And it's important, I think, to understand not only the specific sectors that your clients are in, but really how their businesses run and function and how their teams work together and sort of um, the pressures and tensions that exist uh, for for their executives. It's it's important to have sort of a holistic understanding of, of businesses if you really want to help them the most. So for me, really learning um, organizational psychology and learning about corporate governance and all of the things that you learn in a joint JD MBA program has been really helpful, uh, even to a lesser extent, learning how to use Excel proficiently has been helpful um, in devising, you know, settlement plans and in doing damage back end damages calculations for trial. So I would say it's really helpful if you plan at all to represent businesses in your future, which, which I did. And now after Albany Law, there were a couple of positions between where you came out of law school and where you are now, but I just want to talk about being a young attorney. We have so many young alums in the, in the field now, more coming mm-hmm. in May, of course. Just what's it like to be a young attorney? What are the big challenges? What's the exciting parts of it? So I loved being a young attorney. I mean, I still, <laughs> I like to consider myself uh, young at heart, even though I've been practicing, you know, coming up on 10 years. I, I think the most important and exciting thing about being a young attorney is just taking it all in, learning the skills, and really thinking about where you want to be, 
Uh, and if your job is serving you and if you feel fulfilled in your role, because as attorneys, we spend a lot of time at work. We spend a lot of time with our colleagues. We spend a lot of time doing things that, that we have to do, working our cases. If they're not something that you're passionate about, you're going to burn out or you're going to be dissatisfied with with practicing law. Unfortunately, I know a lot of people that are a little um, dissatisfied with practicing law, not Albany Law alums. I think it's really important just to check in with yourself and make sure that you're on a path that's suited for you, that your job is serving you and you're serving your job. And something that I did was build a network with the people around me. I have a lot of community mentors, some of which are Albany Law alums here in Rochester, some of which um, practice at, at different firms and are in different areas of law, but serve as sounding boards to, to help me gut check if, if my reactions are <laughs> you know, normal or if I could be doing something to make myself happier. Find your network, find your people, and never stop learning and never think that where you are now is where you'll have to be in the future. You can make any change that you want for yourself as a young attorney. Now you're with our friends over at Harris Beach and they're a really great partner for us here at the law school. They work with us on so many different things, including the Women's Leadership Initiative. And if that sounds like something you're interested in, check out the show notes. We have a a link to our Women's Leadership Initiative down in the show notes there. But what have you been focusing on with Harris Beach? I'm in Harris Beach's business and commercial litigation department, and we handle all aspects of litigation that pertain to business disputes for large and small-sized businesses, um, and also on some occasions for uh, employees. And, and I've seen there's a lot of civil, commercial, corporate work in your bio as we do a little bit of background research on everybody who comes on the podcast. And we have a lot of listeners who, who think the courtroom and juries are kind of what the law is all about. Yeah, I would imagine it's a little different in commercial litigation versus the criminal side. Is that is that true? What does your day-to-day look like? I think your instincts are right, Ben. Well, of course, there are trials in the commercial litigation sphere. Many of my cases actually do not go to trial. We do sort of everything leading up to it. Um, a ton of discovery, depositions, motion practice, of course, um, even, you know, pretrial motions, and it's not uncommon on the eve of trial to settle a case just because trials are incredibly expensive. And when we're working uh, with clients who are perhaps, you know, smaller, mid-sized um, businesses that maybe don't have, uh, could be the, the plaintiffs in the case, or, or maybe don't have, you know, an extensive litigation budget, perhaps they don't want to go to trial and perhaps the settlement is in their best interests. So while we, yes, do go to trial and we'll be before a jury and sometimes our trials are bench trials before just a judge, um, these days it's not uncommon for civil litigators, commercial litigators to avoid courtroom on many of their cases. Uh, it's a different landscape, I would say, than, than when I, right before I started practicing um, the law, but I think this is a, a trend that's that's going to continue just because trials are so expensive. 
Now we have some some good news that our friends with Harris Beach shared. A shout out to Ben Rand at Harris Beach. We work with him on lots of different things. But some excellent news is that you were named an outstanding young lawyer in New York by the State Bar Association. So congratulations, first and, and foremost. And the, rec- the award recognizes attorneys who are actively practiced less than 10 years and show, and I'm quoting here, a distinguished record of commitment to the finest traditions of the bar through public service and professional activities. Okay, so you got to share with us now. Where were you? Where were you when you first heard about this? What was your reaction when you first heard about it? So where was I? Huh? Shout out to uh, Midtown Athletic Club, my my gym <laughs> and second home. But I was actually. Um, headed out of a lunchtime yoga class when I received a voicemail from the secretary of the young lawyer section who was calling to convey the news. So I called him back immediately. I, I sort of thought I knew what it could be about, but I didn't really believe it. <laughs> and then of course there was, you know, a couple like jumps for joy and some squeals, embarrassing squeals. I'm sure the people who were, you know, within five or 10 feet of my car when I was speaking on car speakerphone were concerned for my health and safety, but <laughs> I, yeah, I was really thrilled. <laughs> and now I, I don't want to be presumptuous, but I, I have a feeling that the Bar Association want to recognize your work as a diversity co-chair with the Greater Rochester Association for Women's Attorneys. Uh, Your roles on the board, including the executive board, which you've been part of since 2018. Can you tell us more about that organization, the projects you've worked on with them? My nominators uh, were actually the Greater Rochester Association of Women Attorneys, uh, GRAWA. It's a women's bar to support women attorneys in Rochester, Um, They're incredible. They really champion and cheerlead the attorneys um, within their organization and take a lot of time to understand, you know, each each member's contributions. Because of that, their nominations tend to be very successful for, for these types of awards because they really take time to understand their members and what drives us and, you know, everything that we do for not only the bar, but the the community and for the profession. Um, so I'm really thankful that I have this network of, of women here in Rochester that takes the time to support each other. Um, but yeah, I've served on the GRAWA board since 2018 in various positions. I've been um, secretary on the executive committee. And most recently, I'm serving my first of a two-year term as the diversity co-chair, uh, we're actually in the process of changing the name to more suit our mission. So it would be uh, the diversity, equity, and inclusion co-chair for GRAWA. In that role and in you know my other roles for GRAWA, um, I spend a lot of time organizing um, community projects, including recently we put together for the Martin Luther King Day of Service um, some um, hygiene bags for members of our community who don't have access to feminine hygiene products. We want to make sure that everyone around us feels comfortable and confident to own their life and to go out in the world without concern that their periods are going to stand in the way. I'm really happy that we were able to also support a girls um, basketball team with 
setting up emergency packs for them. I had no idea until this project that some girls will just not go to school, will call out of school if they're on their period because they don't have the proper supplies. And it's never acceptable for for us to say that women can't have every opportunity that that men can just because they don't have access to feminine hygiene products. So I was really thrilled that we could participate in that way. And we put together um, 75 emergency packs of products and 175 full packs for shelters around the area. So that was a great day for us. In addition, we oversee uh, sort of the mission of Grawa and make sure our programming is inclusive We've really gotten into examining the intersections of our members over the past couple of years and making sure that we take all of our members' backgrounds and various intersections into consideration when creating programming. Um, And I think we're making great strides in that. And so big shout out to our president, Josie Shepard-Wilson, for spearheading that and prior to her, uh, Stacey Trian, for um, really, you know, refocusing us on intersectionality. And of course, that's a huge amount of responsibility standing alone, but then also we have you as the trustee to the Monroe County Board Association for two years and the chair of its young lawyer section for the 2020-21 <laughs> bar year. So I guess, first of all, let's just do a little logistics. What's the difference between a county bar association versus one like uh, Grawa or maybe even the State Bar Association for just a couple of examples. And then what have you been working on with the County Bar Association? So great question. So the County Bar is just like any regional or statewide bar association. We work to put on CLE programmings for the, the betterment of our members. We negotiate uh, favorable uh, insurance plans for our members who might be of, you know, smaller solo practices and who don't have institutional insurance options. There's a lot of different ways that bar associations serve the community beyond fostering the development and improvement of of the lives of women attorneys specifically. Um, So I would say it's a more general bar approach, the, the Monroe County Bar Association. But as trustee, we review the bar's finances, look over its strategic approaches for the coming years. As some of our listeners might know, um, bar membership is is down across the board, but Monroe County um, has done a really good job of, of keeping our membership up and our members engaged. And I think that's really because of the community that we've built here. So if, if there would be one difference between county bar and, and Grawa, it's just the more um, holistic approach of serving lawyers generally as opposed to the mission of advancing female attorneys. And then if all this wasn't enough, there's your pro bono work. You're the pro bono counsel for the American Board of Trial Advocates Volunteer Program, a pro bono volunteer for the Volunteer Legal Services Project, and a volunteer attorney for Rochester Teen Court. So what do you do in all these roles? What And how important is pro bono work to what you do as an attorney? So I'll start by saying pro bono work is 
not required, obviously, but it's um, aspirational that every attorney um, would satisfy certain pro bono requirements on an annual basis. And I think doing it not just to satisfy um, any, you know, bar requirements, but to um, satisfy oneself personally is really important. And it's really important um, to me to help either as pro bono counsel or to help you know, fundraise or um, advocate on behalf of, of these organizations as best as I can, because really when the indigent in our communities are served, we're all served. I, I think that we all rise with the tide um, and, and pro bono service is a great way to do that. Really quickly as a shout out, it was my first pro bono project was working with the American Board of Trial Advocates um, through the assigned counsel program in the Western District of New York. My first pro bono client um, was a former incarcerated individual in a correctional facility in upstate New York who had not received proper proper medical care. And I, you know, had not worked in on one of these types of issues before. And I reached out to one of my former classmates, Stefan Short. Hey, Stefan, <laughs> who is a really incredible um, prisoner's rights attorney uh, in the city right now. And he provided me some materials uh, and access to information and perspective that I didn't have and I wouldn't have had um, but for him. So we were able to come to a, a settlement um, for the client. But more important than that, I was able to understand um, the area of law and, you know, the settlement I'm sure was less than she she would have liked. But by understanding the law and, and by being able to provide her the basis for why um, we, we didn't have, you know, perhaps like a multi-million dollar claim against the state, I think I was able to, to put her at ease a little bit. And really on these types of cases, many times pro bono clients just want to feel like they're being heard. And it was really important to make her feel heard, to make her understand that even though monetarily her case was not worth what she had hoped, her experiences were worth being litigated and somebody cared for her. Um, So I'm thankful for Stefan for giving me the tools to work through that case. And I'm thankful for uh, my client for making me understand that the work that we do for our community has impact even more then we think that we might um, have an impact. And it's not about getting the biggest settlement. It's about um, doing whatever we can for our clients. And that's really, you know, something I try to do on all of my cases, not just my pro bono cases, but all of my cases to hear what is really important to our clients uh, and to apply that to, to the case, to the outcome of our cases. I also want to give a shout out to Rochester Teen Court, which you mentioned Um, It's a restorative justice program here in Rochester where youthful offenders are taken out of the court system and put through the teen court program. And it's a a peer program where they are adjudicated by peers who who either either sit on a panel or in some instances, uh, they put on sort of like a mock trial to hear um, the charges and to assess a penalty. But really what it does is puts <laughs> puts the youthful offenders in a position where they're explaining what they did in front of in front of their peers makes them understand 
why what they did was not okay. And then their peers can assign them a, a punishment. And usually those are community service hours, letters to um, the teachers or um, their parents or the, the victim of their crime, anger management, stress management programs. Um, some youthful offenders were sentenced to going to a, a boxing class twice a week for six weeks or, or whatever it was so that they can learn structure and, and maybe not have as much free time um, to be hanging out with people who are bad influences to them. But it's an incredibly creative uh, program and the recidivism rate is very low. <laughs> I think it's having great impacts on the youth in, in Rochester, um, and I'm really happy to support it both as a, a volunteer with the program. Young Lawyer section of the MCBA has annually put on a silent option to benefit financially the um, teen court program, and I've been happy and excited to participate in that for many years. Um, including when I was chair of the Young Lawyer section. <laughs> Unfortunately, in 2020, 2021, there was still COVID going on. Our teen court silent auction was virtual, but it was amazing. We organized for a band to, to play during the virtual presentations. We still raised about as much money as we raise in in-person years. So that was a great experience um, and for a great cause as well. So if you happen to be in Rochester and you're looking for a way to give back to uh, the youth in the community, please email me, reach out to me, um, and I can get you in contact with the right people to uh, be a volunteer for a teen court or to participate in our silent auction. And it's coming up, I believe it's coming up on May 18th this year. So mark your calendars and I'm sure um, it will be a great time. With all these different things going on, I, I, I'm hopeful that I can guess the answer to the next question, but I want to ask it anyway. How did Albany Law help get, prepare you for all these different experiences? It sounds like it's such a wide gamut of things that you work on. Hopefully, we helped you out a little bit on the way there. How did Albany Law help you out? If I'm being totally honest, you know, I, I started out in college as as pre-med law school I don't want to say it was a whim but it wasn't really something that I had years and years to think about and I frankly wasn't even sure when I started classes that I wanted to be a practicing attorney I thought oh I'll get my law degree and you know do something with it but you know at least I'm not in this terrible economy when I graduated college it was 2010 and like the the job situation was questionable for a lot of people so I was happy just to be in a place where I was earning earning a degree that I knew in some form that I would use. But those fears did not last long. My 1L year, I was very thankful to be in lawyering with um, Professor Evelyn Tenenbaum, who is just incredible. And she taught me the importance of legal writing, writing in an understandable manner, writing succinctly, writing persuasively. And her passion for her class, her feedback and uh, constructive criticism, right, were all incredibly helpful and made me love the law, made me love legal writing. And I think it's a big reason why I am in litigation today as opposed to, I mean, I have my MBA, I could 
have gone into um, corporate or, you know, done something entirely different uh, than, than law. But I think she's a huge reason why I'm a litigator today and why I love drafting briefs and, and why I love drafting, you know, appellate papers. So I'm really, <laughs> I, I would say Albany Law and in, in, profe- in, in particular, Professor Tenenbaum um, really started me off on the path that I'm on today. So I'm incredibly thankful. You know, I guess I would even go back to my prior response, meeting my classmates at Albany Law, including Stephanie, who I mentioned before, um, has been incredible. I feel like I have a huge um, network, even here in, in Rochester, New York. I think alums just love to support alums. So yeah, Albany Law has has made a huge impact on my professional career. So you, you mentioned uh, Professor Tenenbaum's class there. You mentioned connecting with other alums, but are there other experiences that you'd recommend for law students, soon to be law students, uh, to take advantage of here at Albany Law School? Yes. So I have a couple of, of recommendations. Um, first, when I was a law student, I was on the SBA, the Student Bar Association, and I met a lot of my friends. That way, uh, it enables you to make close connections with people who are not only in your class here, but the class um, above and below you. So that was a great experience for me. Um, And I still maintain many of my friendships from uh, the SBA. Uh, I would also recommend if you don't know what kind of law you would like to practice or you don't want to pigeonhole yourself into one area or one concentration, take as many electives as you can. And remember, um, there's always the option to audit a class if you think it would be helpful for you to know the information, but perhaps you have a heavy course load or for some reason you you don't know how you would do in the course, but you, but you think you want to know the information anyways, consider auditing a class I audited. Um, I believe it was antitrust and I was able to, you know, do the assignments with everyone else. Um, Professor Radwood, who was teaching it, called on on me during the classes like I was a, a normal student like everyone else. So it was a great opportunity to uh, learn the material and it is what you make of it, right? So if you're not doing the homework, you're not going to learn the information. Um, but it was a great opportunity to learn the material but not necessarily have to be so concerned during finals week about studying for that final exam. One more before the lightning round. We just started 20, well, actually we're two months into 2023 yeah. <laughs> as we record this one, but it's still a young year. What are you looking forward to most the rest of this uh, calendar year? That's a great question. I should have prepared for it, but I, I, this is the one that I didn't make a response to. I was like, oh, I know. I, when he asks it, I'm going to know I think I'm just um, looking forward to being, you know, the best version of myself as a practitioner as I can this year. Um, I've been at Harris Beach now for a couple of years. Um, I'm looking forward, hopefully, to to being a partner at Harris Beach in the short term. So really, I'm just making sure that my work is reflective of the qualities that are required to be partner. It's time for the lightning round. Are you prepared for the lightning round? (laughs) All right, let's see. (laughs) All right, we have some really hard-hitting questions here in the lightning round. Now, obviously, you're very connected to the Rochester area. 
for those listening out of state, Rochester's in the western part of New York, where Albany's obviously the eastern part. But where would you live if you could live anywhere in the world? Still get to do everything you want to do, but you get to live anywhere in the world. I would live in Italy, but only for the spring and winter. Um, Most recently, I was there at the end of May, early June, and it was just get it was getting way too hot for me so i think i would plan to be there from like october to april <laughs> works for me now like i said uh, you're in a different part of the state than we are here in albany so give me the best place to have dinner within i don't know 30 minutes i'll give you a 30 minute radius around rochester where's the best place to eat i'm gonna get a lot of guff for not naming a, a rochester a city of rochester establishment but really if you're visiting the Rochester or Finger Lakes area, you need to stop at the Lake House in Canandaigua and eat dinner at Rose Tavern. It is, first of all, a beautiful um, space and HB Cornerstone, one of the partner companies with Harris Beach, helps design the project, or not design the project, but helped um, coordinate um, construction on the project. And it's just, it's beautiful and the food is incredible. So Rose Tavern Lake House in Canandaigua cannot be beat. All right. A fan favorite question here at the end of the lightning round. What's your favorite animal? Not even a question for me. Panda, hands down. I was really lucky to participate in the Albany Law, China Law course. And we went to China and I saw a panda at the zoo, which was the first panda I've seen, I wouldn't say in the wild, but in real life and it was the best thing <laughs> panda 100 panda hands down that's my answer <laughs> great answer. i think that's the first panda we've had for that one <laughs> final question of the podcast always the same question we love to hear the different points of view and perspectives on it is there anything you'd like to say to the albany law school community Add me on LinkedIn. Call me. Email me. <laughs> I love to be in touch with um, alums. I love keeping in touch with the people who I went to law school with, and I'm happy to help if anyone needs anything that I can help them with. I would love to be that connection. Well, Katarina, thank you so much for being on the Albany Law School podcast. It was it was a, it was a great. It was wonderful to have you. Thanks so much, Ben. 